Hello, railroad friends. Welcome to PSR, People Speaking Rail. I'm Mike Bowden-Distel. I'm the head of Intermodal Solutions here at Freight Waves, and I'm joined, as always, by Joanna Marsh. And Joanna, it seems like you're so busy that you have also recruited uh, Rachel Premack and John Kingston to write railroad articles. <laughs> yes, of course. Yes. Um, I'm I'm glad that they and they did great stories. So, you know, I, I, I think I could just take the rest of the, the my time off and, you know, just let them do all the stuff. <laughs> so. Yeah, they they write about you know variety of topics, but it seems like there's so much to, to talk about in, in, in railroad industry. They've um, gravitated towards uh, your a sector. Um, so uh, maybe way to start is let's talk about a little bit of the, the mixed reaction to the CPKCS approval. You did a story on that where you talked to some shippers, um, of course, talked to some communities, but, but what did you gather from, from talking to those, to those groups? There's the article, um, picture, picture of your article. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's actually, cause you know, I, I think even when, um, the surface transportation board was, uh, reviewing the merger and they held those hearings, um, you know, even then, you know, there, there were some, some shippers that, that weighed in, but, but even then, there wasn't really, for the most part, a clear consensus with shippers in terms of like, uh, you know, we approve this merger, or we don't approve this merger. Um, I, I know that there were some, there are some uh, groups perhaps that, you know, maybe like upper Midwest grain shippers, but for the most part, there wasn't really, um, it, it was a lot of individual um, shippers uh, being for or against the merger, kind of depending on, on where they were um, in the network. And, uh, and so um, the feedback that I got from uh, from from some shippers uh, about the about the merger that uh, was approved last week was you know kind of like a wait and see kind of thing. It's like, well, well, if, you know, um, uh, you know, the STB uh, approved the merger with the idea that it might um, improve competition. Sort of the idea that um, you know t- having one major railroad, the combined CPKCS uh, network, would be better than having uh, two, you know, two, two uh, distinct railroads kind of kind of trying to, uh, um, uh, you know, keep competition going. So, um, yeah, so uh, it was, I, I think a lot of shippers were kind of like at the wait and see mode. Um, it was interesting because the American Chemistry Council said, you know, they um, were also in that wait and see mode, but, uh, you know, some of the some of the recommend- recommendations that they had for the um, and to to set for the STB to set as conditions, um, uh, you know, didn't make um, the the cut, so to speak, when when STB uh, uh, did issue its conditions. So, but yeah, for and the most part, I mean, that, what, what did they ask for that? Um, you know, I, I, I should do this in the note. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I I don't know, I don't know if it's um, I don't know honestly to have how 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 specific they were in in their recommendations i think um you know i think you know one of those ongoing questions and you know besides competition is you know with the rates like how you know so i'm not sure um uh you know if, if there were particular schemes i i shouldn't go back with them and check with them and see but um but yeah so but i, I think that's just kind of one ongoing question sort of the the, the rates issue and, and you know ensuring fair rates so i don't know but um yeah what, what did you think of the uh i don't know have you have you heard anything from from uh on, on your end about you know how people yeah. reacted to the merger or uh, 
Yeah, yeah. So I think it's I think it's interesting that there's kind of this lack of consensus um, on the part of shippers, and you know, even kind of a lack of consensus um, among shipper groups. How that American Chemistry Council, you talked about how you know there's different members had different um, you know perspectives there. I think on the agriculture side, it was interesting that you know some of the soy you know companies, the soybean companies, seemed to like it, while some of the other U.S. grain you know companies you know, didn't like it. And, and it's a little bit like, well, maybe that makes the case that there is, um, as we said, look at a, a map of the combined networks that's, that looks nice. I mean, I think it makes the case where when you have some of the, the, the grain companies that say, well, you know, the, the, the soybean companies seem to like it. Well, a lot of those soybeans do get exported out of the Pacific Northwest. And so I think a lot of those companies like it because they see, well, before in order to move soybeans, maybe the best option was moving it on you know, BNSF, you know, through the port of Vancouver. And now this might create another option to take it north, you know, through the, through the port of, through the port of, um, you know, Vancouver, I meant BNSF through, through, through Seattle, but, you know, now if you can take it through Canada, you know, port of Vancouver. So I, I think some of the, you know, the soybean side, they, they seem to think it's more competitive. I know, um, you know, during the process, some of the U.S. Uh, farmers thought, well, this would make the, the U.S. Um, grain, face greater competition with the Canadian grain for, for Mexican consumption. But that does seem to make the, the case that, um, you know, this enhances competition in the, in the, in the industry. Um, also thought it was interesting, your, your line in, in your article about the American Chemistry Council say, okay, well now hopefully the Surface Transportation Board now is, is beyond this thing, which has taken up all their time. They can look at reciprocal switching, which would be something that would be, you know, that would be helpful. Yeah. I, so I, I think they're, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think I think they're 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 pretty eager. I think probably all the shippers really, the, those main shipper groups, um, are fairly eager to to get all the other agenda um, that the STB has before them, like can uh, you know get the um, rolling. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah, because you the reciprocal centering, you have um, uh, but yeah, so it's it, it's uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see when when STB. You know, now that that's uh, the mergers behind them, <laughs> like uh, when when they'll take up the other issues and like how soon afterwards. Yeah, you also talk in your article about the Western suburbs, how they, of course, you know, hated the merger. They when, seem to hate all mergers. They hated the CN merger back um, when they acquired the EJ and E. But you know, it's, it's interesting. And part of their argument was that um, you know the the railroads would move more hazardous materials, you know, through their communities, which. That seems to make the case that um, you know that they were trying to make that the that the railroad should merge because uh, the Surface Transportation Board was considering the the movement of hazardous materials as part of its argument, um, you know, for or against the the merger being in the public's best interest. They view the public's best best interest as having those hazardous materials on the railroad rather than the highway. Uh, so, so I thought that was interesting. They had some stats in there that um, you know there's very small percentage, I can't remember, 1% of the hazardous material spill you know, com- comes from on, on, on the railroad, whereas like 94% comes on the the, the highway. So um, you know, I'm not sure that the, the Western suburbs made the best uh, argument there. Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of it is just the, the the concern about like how much traffic will will increase. I, you know, the, the, the Western suburbs were, con- were concerned that STB was looking at numbers provided by CP, which they thought might be, um, Buffer. I don't say biased numbers, but, you know, perhaps not Buffer. as neutral as they, as they could appear to be. 
and so um and so i uh, th- there is that concern that that stb underestimated um how much traffic uh, will occur and of course with the traffic the block crossings of course and uh-huh. uh, and so that's you know that's part of the reason why um why stb decided uh to have the seven year period of, of oversight versus five years um uh-huh. to to yeah to ensure that you know that that things uh get worked out yeah so we'll continue to watch that and you know look for more shippers reactions um want to move on to topic number two here which Intermodal volume down double digits year over year. It looks like to me that intermodal volume is in a recession. I think if the only thing that you could look at was intermodal volume, you would think that we were in a pretty severe recession. I can go through some of these statistics. So U.S. this based on the AR data that came out, you know, yesterday, U.S. containerized intermodal volume down ten percent year over year in the past four weeks. The rails internally seem to tend to look at the in, the rail the volume over four weeks because one week's not a trend, but in the past week down 15%. I'm talking about just U.S. containerized intermodal volume, and it's down uh, 9.6% year to date. Um, so very, you know, weak there, particularly the past week. I have the data on um, a chart on uh, domestic intermodal volume, which, so this is just going to limit it to the 53-foot loaded containers, you know, excluding any international containers, excluding any empties. And this is down about 8% year over year. Uh, when we take a look at at that and trending kind of remarkably in line with 2020, 2020 is an is an orange there, but but down about eight eight percent versus uh, 2022. Looks like it's down about um, you know six percent versus 2021. So 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 lots of weakness there. If you want to flip it to the international intermodal volume, look, taking a look at the forty foot containers and um, 20 foot containers, uh, those look even worse. Those are down about, um, you know, let's call it 15% year over year. And uh, so so these have really been hurt by, you know, not just, um, you know, the, the imports coming down, but, you know, higher you know, inventory levels. And, you know, there was some thought that because the ocean containers are more available, that more of those ocean containers would be set inland on the railroad and that would um you know help some of these international uh, container uh, inter- intermodal volumes but that doesn't seem to have been the case so those have been uh particularly um particularly hurt uh you know there um you have another chart that shows uh, basically a tree map of domestic going back to domestic con- intermodal container volume so these are the the densest domestic intermodal lanes in the United States and uh I'm showing this just on, you know, domestic loaded volume and those percent changes are year over year. And, you know, for considering that domestic intermodal volume overall is down about 8%, kind of remarkably mixed, but really what stands out to me there is the big LA outbound lanes, which are the densest uh, intermodal lanes in uh, North America. These LA to Chicago is down 11% year over year in terms of domestic um, LA to, to Dallas down about 22%, LA to Atlanta down 16. So it's really these outbound LA volumes that seem to be sort of the tail that's that, that's wagging the dog. And then on the on the sort of the backhauls, which you think like Chicago to LA, you know, backhaul lane, you know, that's up eight percent uh, year over year. So there's a little bit more balance in the intermodal network, which uh, can help uh, container utilization. Um, it, c- it can also just, it's just help um, you know, the efficiency of, of, of moving the, 
the containers, but um, but really sort of o- overall, I think, you know, if a shipper is looking at this, uh, the shipper should say, well, this this means just intermodal containers are, are going to be more available. I um, mean, you know, we've talked a lot on the uh, FreightWaves website about the falling import volume into the port of, of, of LA. Um, you know, Greg Miller wrote a good article about that. We're just talking about intermodal, or no, not uh, intermodal, uh, import volume in the you know, port of LA being down, you know, 30 or 40%. Uh, year over year, so um, not seeing a lot of evidence that we're going to see, uh, you know, any major pickup in intermodal uh, volume, and and there's several other you know data points in um, freight waves that suggest something you know similar. We have uh, all those intermodal spot rates, which those have sort of flatlined at a low level. We have intermodal, um, you know, uh, tender rejection rates, which those are basically zero. It's all basically not uh, um, auto accept. And then this chart that you're looking at is intermodal contract rates, which you know most of intermodal is going to move out of contract rate. And you see that's down um, year to date, down about five percent. But this most recent um, you know data point, you, know, you see that white line how it's dipped uh, from February into March. That's now down about eight percent year over year. Um, the the some of the background here is that these are only line haul rates, so they exclude fuel. And uh, this uh, drop of, um, let's call it a high single digit decline, comes after two consecutive years of increases in uh, rates uh, that were into the double digits, going from 2020, up double digits into 2021, up double digits again into 2022. And now it's going the other way. And um, what's interesting also is that um, the, the, the truckload rates, the drive-in rates had been going down steadily sort of throughout last year. I mean, more truckload volume is going to be on a quarterly bid cycle. Intermodal volume tends to be more on on an annual bid cycle. Most of that gets repriced in the first half of the year. So it does seem like these rates have have further to fall um, based on everything we're seeing in the marketplace. So that's a little bit of an intermodal um, update. I want to go into topic number three, which uh, discusses another one of your articles, Joanna. NTSB finds anomalies with pressure or relief devices. When I first saw this, I, you know, I was, I, you know, jumped on it and thinking, well, wow, I thought they were just in the in the fact finding phase of the East Palestine, um, Ohio uh, situation, but these were, um, you know, different uh, derailments. So um, there's been you know, a lot of derailments to to talk about here. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's interesting, you know, like how. And and to to be honest, I, I haven't really um, been been reading every single um, S- NTSB report prior to uh, the the latest derailment, so I'm not sh- familiar with how often they they prescribe um, these uh, recommendations. I mean, I'm sure there is you know some recommendations offered, but um, but but yeah, it is interesting just how um, you have uh, with with each of these derailments, like, you know, one. There was one NTSB um, advisory, you know, with the uh, with the valves, as as you mentioned, and the and the covers, um, which was with East Palestine, and then there were two other ones. One was, um, one was the derailment in Alabama, and then the other one um, involved the uh, the fatality um, in Cleveland, and uh, and just you know, and the um, preliminary recommendations they they have there. Um, I, I think it's just, you know, it's part of that, that broader, um, push for, for, for more, um, oversight in general. I mean, of course you had that, that, um, unusual, uh, move by NTSB several weeks ago saying that they were going to, um, you know, 
do a special investigation, not investigation, but just sort of a special look at um, and how um, Norfolk Southern has been engaging in its safety practices, um, which is, uh, you know, usually don't target a particular company or, or you know, at, in, in the stage of, of the game, so to speak. So, um, yeah, so there's just been a lot of uh, activity with NTSB, I guess, also because there's been a lot of derailments as well, for better or for worse. Um, and it's it's also interesting because the, um, the uh, also for better or for worse, the, the derailments keep coming. I mean, we have Norfolk Southern, of course, but then, you know, there was another uh, derailment that involved, I think, like 5,000 gallons of diesel released. I'm not quite sure if that's the right number, but, you know, that happened um, in Washington State involving a BNSF train uh, a few days ago. And then, of course, you've had, um, I think, in, in the news, like derailments with uh, CSX and Union Pacific trains. Some of them have been a little bit more minor. I think one of the derailments was, you know, um, uh, corn involved corn syrup. And so, you know, so it's, oh, but oh. it's it's still, I think, after every single derailment that's happened since early February, there's been this sort of uh, jittery sort of knee-jerk reaction in, in terms of, you know, like, what's next? Oh, well, there's another one, and there's another one, and there's another one. And of course, oh. what is it? Like, I think in 2022, there were um, 911 derailments by the Class 1 railroads that occurred. Um, uh -huh. but, uh, but those derailments can be, you know, anything from, you know, the car is falling off <laughs> to, you know, just right. uh, to, to something more minor. Um, just yeah so uh but that's still a lot of dramas so yeah it, it is 900 in, in a year now a lot of those can get cleaned up before any media can 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 know about it, and they're they're not really a big deal but um i think this has gotten to be you know a, a area that there's just a lot of focus on what's interesting you, you sent me this um this link that you did i guess i hadn't I had missed this one but you know you, you you go through some of the the um you know discussion about derailments and you mentioned that the cause of derailments in about what's called half the cases is, you know, human factors. So someone works on the railroad making some mistake, which, um, you know, it, it's interesting because the positive train control was supposed to, to, to stop a lot of those things that were caused by, by human error. And I guess I yeah. was thinking it was more based on, on, on track. So, um, were you surprised to see yeah, that I in data? Well, it's actually, sorry to, to clarify a little bit. So it's actually not just the derailments, it's just the train accidents altogether. So oh, okay. um, derailments are part of that. So it's just all the train <laughs> accidents. I know it's, it's a little confusing. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think, uh, but but it is interesting that um, with with all the train accidents that that human factor is the, the leading cause um, among all the US-based class one railroads. I, I included KCS, even though they're kind of a, they were kind of uh -huh. in a unique situation, but but um, I think for Norfolk Southern it was actually the the lead um, cause of uh, accidents uh, in 2022. Um, but it was really f for for all of them, um, UP and and CSX and BNSF as well. Um, but what's the other interesting thing though that's been going on? So you've had um, uh, there was a hearing uh, with this. Uh, um, conducted by the Senate Commerce Committee um, on Wednesday, uh, which was very, this probably, I haven't finished listening to it uh, yet. I, I took the day off yesterday. Uh, but oh. <laughs> yeah, but um, it, it was uh, probably fairly similar to another hearing um, that 
I think it was a labor committee had um, like a like a week and a half or two weeks ago, um, in which you know they they bring out you know uh, you know N- Norfolk Southern's um, CEO Alan Shaw to to testify, and um, and at yesterday's hearing, um, I believe the the two Ohio senators were involved as as witnesses um, as they were in the um late the other senate hearing from a week and a half ago um and so there's just seems to um to 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 be that that the extra sort of scrutiny or, or push for for some sort of of rail safety regulation to to happen um why did i bring up that though i brought that up because um because i i think at the hearing they were talking about how Norfolk Southern's um, accident rate um, has increased in the last several years, and and that's also in the data that that's in the article that you mentioned. I think it's called like five. What's my what's your, this article called? Um, five questions called you might five, ask about rain, train accidents. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at like the data all together, you you do see an upward trend line, but then if you break down that data that increase is actually not because of accidents on the on the main line but but in, but an increase in accidents at the rail yards and that's actually okay. for um yeah for 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 the four major class ones upns bnsf and csx so you've had a, a significant increase well not significant but but a um what's the word I mean, it, it's it's very apparent <laughs> that there's been an increase in the last ten years in 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 rail yard accidents, or at least that rate of rail yard accidents, and that increase yeah. um, kind of feeds into that that overall accident rate. Yeah, and, and uh, having them at the rail yards, it seems like that's a double edged sword, right? Because it's like there's less harm to residential communities if the derailments and accidents take place at the rail yards. However, there's more potential for injury and death among workers when they when they take place at the rail yards. Yeah, yeah. So, and and I I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure like what you know what what sort. I I I'm sure that you know in within the industry there there's talk about you know if it, you know if if there is sort of an earnest look at, at you know in, in reducing that that accident rate at the rail yards. You know what sort of what what they're doing, but it seems like a lot of the discussion right now, at least um, at the federal level, among you know congressional lawmakers, 